0: What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now this is some of the most dynamic, cutting edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators, but you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Before we get started with the episode, I have a favor to ask. Please head over to CityCast.fm slash survey to take our quick listener survey. Trust me, it should take you about five to seven minutes. And at the end, you'll be entered to win a $250 Visa gift card. Again, that's CityCast.fm slash survey. Today on CityCast Chicago. It has been 10 years since Chicago abruptly closed 50 schools, but what happened to the buildings once the doors were boarded up? Plus, we discuss all that damn Cottonwood, adopting Chicago pets, and of course, some good... No, I'ma save it for later. Here with me are two of Chicago's best freelance journalists, Natalie Frazier and Maya McDonald. It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Good morning, my friends. Thank you for joining me on CityCast today.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: And hey, we got a lot to talk about, but I got to get started with a question. The CityCast team has been going back and forth on all week. Where we like to spend our summer the most. At the park or at the beach? Natalie, I'm going to start with you. Where would you prefer to relax on the hottest days of the summer?
1: Well, I'm a Westsider, so I got to pick the park. Uh, We don't have a lot of access to beaches, but I'll go to the lakefront. But the park to me is just where it's at. You know, you can just pull your car right up, hang out, grill, kick it.
0: I appreciate that you and I got to do a neighborhood guy over in Lawndale uh, some months back, and, and we found our way at Douglas Park. And I appreciate you just sharing sort of your own memories, like your your what it meant growing up being so close to that park. Uh, Maya, what about you? Are you team park or are you team get ass out to the beach?
2: I have to say, I am more team park. I haven't really been to the beach in the last few years. It's just, like, sometimes hard to get out there. A lot of the beaches are, like, crowded. I'm trying to—I'm making it my mission to get to the beach at least once this summer because I wanted to do that last year, and I just didn't—it didn't happen.
0: (laughs) Hey, we all on the same page. Simone and I got into a little back and forth earlier this week, and I was team Parks, and Simone was team Beach. But now, Simone, it's you are one against three, so you you can't beat us up. So we got to figure something out. I will my I'm gonna put you on because uh, one little small like little beachfront that a lot of people don't know about doesn't get crowded behind the South Shore Cultural Center. Right. They have the the nature preserve, but also right next to it is a small little beachfront. So you can dip your toes in, you can cook out and it almost is never crowded, you know, because people don't even realize it's happening.
2: Yeah. Uh, there's also I'm a southeast sider and really close to Indiana. There's um. Mm -hmm. Calumet Park and they have the Calumet Park Beach. That one is a little less populated. uh, One of those more hidden beaches. So if it's Mm -hmm. usually trying to find somewhere that's not like a more crowded beach, I would try that one too.
0: Every single week we bring in a couple of friends to talk about the stories that matter to them this week. And we started our week of episodes off with a conversation with Dr. Eve Ewing about the 10 year anniversary of Chicago abruptly closing 50 schools. But one thing we didn't talk about is what happened to those shuttered buildings. Natalie, can you catch us up on what has been the fate of many of these South and West Side schools?
1: Yeah, um, shout out to Eve. I'm I'm reading Ghosts in the Schoolyard again. It's such a great book. But um, so Chicago Sun-Times and WBZ did a great story on just the fate of those buildings and discovered that 26 of them uh, are still vacant uh, and there's nothing happening with them. And of course, those buildings are predominantly on the South and West Sides. And the story just does, I mean, a really good job of just showing like all of the, the intricacies of, of this, the closed schools, just, you know, like everything that comes with it. Right. Like from like how much the city is paying or, you know, just trying to think about how much the city is paying to keep these properties boarded up and, and secured um, versus like private owners now who are doing nothing with the properties. And also just like how the the parents uh, of the students and, and the students themselves feel. Like, there's a really good article from from a kid who actually uh, had to deal with like a a closed elementary school and a closed high school. Um, And that kid talks about just like this loss of history um, and he calls it black history. So it's just a really, really heartbreaking story, but just really gives you a good idea of, of the lasting impact of those those buildings. They're more than just empty buildings.
0: Exactly. And one of the things that we talked about in our conversation is both a reminder... That this is like has living consequences, that this still matters to people, that as they walk through their neighborhoods and they see these boarded up buildings, like you said, it reminds them of the history that's being lost. It also reminds some communities that no matter what they do, investment in their neighborhoods is so elusive because you have neighbors who have been fighting to get use of those buildings. Well, how can we turn them into community centers? How can we use them to to provide housing for unhoused people? And you see that like that has not moved forward. And so, Maya, as as we kind of move through this this 10 year anniversary, what have you heard from people who are still dealing with the consequences of either their school being closed or school in their neighborhood or, or people they know? Because you almost can't be disconnected from this if your school wasn't closed. You know, someone who was impacted by this.
2: Yeah, uh, my neighborhood on the south side didn't have one of those closed schools, but um, my late cousin, her apartment used to be like right across the street from one of those closed elementary schools. And I would go to like when we would visit, it would be like such a stark reminder because. You know, a lot of those schools are glass and all the windows and you can still see inside. You can walk mm-hmm. around them and see the like the classrooms and like still like textbooks and things like that that are just left there. And, um, you know, 10 years later, we're still waiting for things that we were promised. It's almost like, you know, a, a, dis- a disappointment sort of feeling that people experience or um, for some people, even a little bit of um Uh, resentment that, you know, these are happening in, you know, primarily black communities.
0: Yeah, I think that also is like the super sour pill reminds us of the 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 plan for transformation, as they call it. Right. When they tore down public housing and made all these promises to move people back in, there was never any accountability measure. These were sort of uh, self-created like dates and promises and thresholds but if they didn't actually hit those marks no one was going to be held accountable the hope is that we see a coordinated plan uh, to move these forward but uh, I, I I worry just how much effort will be put into uh, renewing some of these buildings because you know you can't just hide them in the neighborhood they stick out like, like a sore thumb this week in addition to moving through our neighborhood neighborhoods and, and and trying to think about the consequences of these policies something that I've noticed as I've walked around the city is it feels like it's summertime but it looks like the winter time because the grounds are just covered in what looks like white snow but it's not Maya what is all of that stuff covering the ground right now and, and why is this so out of control
2: yeah so those little fluff balls that a lot of folks are seeing in their neighborhoods, it's something actually called cottonwood, cottonwood seeds. As we move towards summer, trees are starting to give off their seeds. So now that, you know, it's warmer, they are putting out these cottonwood seeds that are like a seed plus fluff, which, you know, evolutionarily uh, was developed so that Um, the seeds could travel far distances and have a better chance at actually landing somewhere where a full tree could grow. Um, The thing about that, though, is this year there seems to be a lot more cottonwood than we've had in past years, primarily due to the fact that last summer was a little warmer and drier. So that meant that trees could uh, develop more reproductive structures than they normally would, which means now a year later there's more seeds that are able to be um, like pushed off by this by the trees. And, and we've had sort of a, a dry spring this year as well. Uh, so there's not really a way for the seeds to be cleared out because that would normally mm-hmm. be done by rain. Um, but since we haven't had a lot of that, they, they're just you know piling up and not going anywhere. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's one of those moments where I was like, I was happy. I was okay that it hasn't been a super rainy spring, and then it was like, yeah, but th- there are consequences to that happening. And I read that one cottonwood tree can give off fifty million seeds at a time. I couldn't find how many cottonwood trees, an uh, estimate of them in Chicago, because I was ready to do that math, but it was a, probably a number that I personally could not comprehend.
1: Yeah, um, so I'm in North Lawndale, and I mean it's it's super hot, like, and we actually don't have a lot of trees in North Lawndale. Like, I think mm-hmm. our neighbor is like on average like a couple temperature you know like a couple temperature points hotter than a lot of neighborhoods in the city so
0: we actually talked about that earlier this week as well why are some neighborhoods hotter and the lack of trees uh contributes to to that mightily
1: yeah so i like my grass is just getting burned to, like smithereens like it's just it looks like hey. Um, so I haven't seen the cotton like in my neighborhood, like the cottonwood seeds. I haven't seen a lot of it. Thank God, because I feel like my dog would just eat it and it wouldn't, probably wouldn't be good. A
0: lot of my friends have been asking the same questions. What is going on? Uh, and how do we deal with this? One thing I will say, because we have seen a few fires around the city from the cottonwood piling up. If you have access to like a garden hose or a sprinkler or something, just clearing that cottonwood out, keeping your grass wet, keeping like kind of uh, using either a leaf blower or a garden hose. Uh, to to blow it off of the sidewalks, out of the grass, uh, might help you to prevent even worse consequences. We always want to make sure we're bringing some attention to the stories that might not get enough attention during the week. Uh, And Natalie, I want to start with you. We have spent a good amount of time talking about arriving asylum seekers in Chicago, but there was a piece from the tribe that recently came out that you want to shine some light on.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, The tribe recently did a piece about why I think it's called Why Migrant Fund Funding is So Divisive in Chicago. And I think we've heard a lot of just kind of different sides of this story. Right. Like we got like pro asylum seekers. Right. And then we got folks who are like pro South Shore residents. And it's been really kind of divisive. Um, And I think uh, the tribe is always gets down to like the nitty gritty. Right. Like, why is there this tension? And I think the story does a really good job of parsing. Parsing out, you know, uh, the history of, of South Shore residents, um, the divestment that's happened in the neighborhood and why it is kind of causing this really polarizing uh, reaction to asylum seekers. And mm-hmm. you got like some good voices in there who talk about how we need to be fighting, you know, for both communities. Right. And that, um, you know, it's not a zero sum game um, and that, you know, there's enough for all of us, but we we have to work together but also understanding the frustration of South Shore residents, right? Because it's, it's very exactly. real and it's very valid um, why some residents feel the way they feel.
0: Mm-hmm. And it directly links to your opening story as well because South Shore was one of those communities that had to watch local schools get closed. And for 10 years, residents have been fighting. Well, how can we make this useful for the community? And the, the city show very quickly in some ways how quickly you can, retrofit a building, how quickly you can reinvest in a building, how quickly you can bring a facility back to life for something that I think all of us on this call agree is necessary. And so if we can move this quickly to house people who need it, then let's make sure we're moving this quickly for everybody who needs it uh, across the city. So, I, so I'm glad you, you dropped some more attention to this story. Uh, we love Tonya here at CityCast. And we're going to drop a link in the show notes as well. your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S., they got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Maya, I want to bring you in here. It is summer season, uh, which means more and more Animals, right? More puppies, more kittens. And you've been talking about this a lot recently, especially with rescue organizations around the city of Chicago. Can you give us some updates on your reporting?
2: Yeah. So uh, since we're kind of leaving spring, entering summer with warmer temperatures, that means more animals out and about you know, meeting up to, you know, to get busy. And a lot of the time, summertime is when you see the, the biggest influx of um, puppies and kittens and different animals like that to rescue organizations, to um, CACC, the the city's um, pound. They see a lot of the same things that, you know, we need help. If it's like somebody that needs, uh, that's looking to foster or adopt, which is more of a, you know lifetime commitment. um, Mm -hmm. If you can step up and do that, that's definitely helpful. Um, And trap and neuter uh, programs like the one that Paws has or getting your, your pets spayed and neutered, that helps a lot. You know, sometimes pets may get out, you may lose them. And those are the kind of animals that, you know, my neighborhood on the southeast side has like a ton of, you know, those roaming stray cats. And those are the ones that you see all populating um, our, our city a lot um, because Cats in particular, they're able to, uh, female cats, they are able to reproduce or become pregnant about 62, de- like every 62 days with about four to five kittens, which is a lot if you think about, you know, a, I a, know a, a year. I know that.
0: Thanks yeah. for the math. I, me and Natalie was like, oh 62, four to five. Yeah, it's oh a God. lot.
2: That's, um, And about 10 every four months. They get busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm saying, and it's it's not always easy for rescues to kind of shoulder the burden on their own. And in pause, Chicago is looking to adopt out uh, about 450 k- kittens this summer. So if you're you've been thinking about it and you're interested, I would reach out to them.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll drop a link. Their campaign goes until August 31st. Uh, I grew up with a ton of animals in my house. My parents at different times we had cats who specially got out. I think all of our cats except one. Eventually, just got out and wanted to to live the uh, woodland li- life. Uh, we had dogs, everything from Saint Bernards to Rottweilers. We had birds in our house. Uh, so, as somebody who doesn't have a pet right now but loves them, I love hearing not only these stories of people finding their forever animals, people who foster, people who adopt from rescues, but I love hearing about other people's pets. Uh, Natalie, I know your dog is close by, so I'm gonna start with you before I give it up to our CityCast listeners. What's your dog's name? Can you tell us like something fun or something you just love? About about your dog.
1: Uh yeah, I got well I got two pets. Uh my dog okay. is Koa. Uh her name is Koa. She is 2 now, but she acts like a puppy. Um she is a Boxer Blue healer mix, so she she's real fun. She likes to uh herd people. So if I'm running in the yard, she'll like nip at my <laughs> feet, which is cute when you talk about it, but it's not really cute in practice. And then I have a cat named Lucky. He's going to be 3 soon um he's like a black medium hair cat um and him and my dog mm-hmm. just like box all day like it's like wwe <laughs> in here so they Sounds have a pretty familiar pretty interesting household so that's what my pets are up to koa and lucky
0: maya you got any pets or animals in your house or in your family
2: yes just hearing natalie say that it's so familiar because I have a, a dog, Kita. She's about 10. And our cat, Cece, who I think is about five. They don't really like each other at all. They can <laughs> sort of co- coexist in a space sometimes, but most of the time it's like rivals, enemies. It's like, it,
0: Who run the crib, the cat or the dog?
2: I would say she has been here for longer, so she's pretty comfortable. <laughs> but Cece, she, she has kind of a bad attitude. So <laughs> she kind of mm-hmm. stalks around the house like she owns the place. Uh, we also <laughs> have a turtle um, who is like the chillest sort of pet you can imagine because she's in a tank doing her own thing. Um, What's your
0: turtle's name?
2: T.R. It was <laughs> named by my younger cousin. Um, and I guess she kind of settled on T.R. And now we kind of, if we have to come up with, like, a real name. Her name is Tawana Raquel. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> T.R. And she's a, she's it, pretty dude. old, too, now.
0: Beautiful. We will drop links to Maya's stories and coverage about, about paws and other shelters in the city. But we also want to hear from you. Tell us about your pets. You can call us at 773-780-0246. Leave a voicemail or send us a text message. We want to know your name, your pet's name, your neighborhood, and please tell us something fun uh, about your little furry bestie, or unless they're like a hairless cat, you know, just, just your bestie, your, your hairless bestie as well. Every episode of City Cast ends the exact same way with some good news this is an event, some personal news, something you're looking forward to this weekend, just something that makes sure we end with some positivity, some good news. Chicago is such a joyous place. Uh, We want to make sure we're letting people know that every single day. Uh, Maya, what is your some good news? I've been feeling good today. I'm going to have to rock with this energy.
2: Yeah, so I recently found out like this week that I'm going to be an aunt again. My my brother and his girlfriend are expecting uh, a baby girl this summer, uh, which makes th- would be three nieces and a nephew that I have. So I'm like super excited. Uh, I love being an aunt uh, since I don't have any kids of my own, and I just like being the you know aunt that can splurge on the, the little kitties and uh, having mm-hmm. like another one added to the group is really exciting. So that's my good news. Uh, just super excited for a whole gaggle of little little
0: babies. I can tell how excited you are, not only from the smile on your face right now, but every story, like you found a way to mention these beautiful young people in your life. And so happy for you. Congratulations Thank for you. your family as well. I absolutely love my two nieces, Zion and Zuri. I try to go out to the burbs. They all the way at Homewood. Oh, wow. you know, it ain't an every week thing, but I, I try and make that that train trek out there to, to to see my youngins and to kick it with them. My oldest niece She is so funny because I told her she's getting to that age where we can start doing like one-on-one things. Like we can Mm -hmm. go to the go to the movies, we can go to the uh, to the museums. And the last time I was over there, she was just like, "I haven't forgotten Uncle Kobe. When we gonna have our day out?" I was like, "Gee, your memory's starting to stick. I can't just be making false promises. I gotta I gotta follow through." And I like that. I'm I'm
2: looking forward to getting to that that point. All my little nieces and nephews are under four, so once they get a little older, I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't do under four be able to do that
0: natalie i want to bring you in here what is your some good news
1: uh well the sun is out um for me like the summer is all about being outside uh so it's Mm -hmm. patio season it's festival season it's porch season for me so uh just got a bunch of stuff planned i'm hitting the zoo with my my god baby this weekend and then um come on just just outside on patios. And then High Park Summerfest is like my little cross country event. You know, when I go to the south side, you know, um, so <laughs> that'll be fun. Excited <laughs> to see, you know, what's going on over there.
0: Who are you looking forward to? It's a, it's a decent lineup for the, the two days of High Park Summerfest, June seventeenth, June 18th uh, here in my neighborhood. Uh, what act are you, you looking forward to?
1: Did, did I see little Kim on there correctly?
0: Yes, yeah, you did. Sunday headlining.
1: I'm trying to see her do that in person. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to see y- the little dance. It don't make no
0: noise, but I'm, right. I'm trying, I'm trying to. to
1: see the, like, the <laughs> little dance, really. I don't even have to hear the I like her music, but like, I'm really trying to see her do that little weird dance, really.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I understand that. I, I'm i looking forward to this this uh, Chicago Hip Hop 50. So if people are not familiar, the Hip Hop Awards did like a 50-year anniversary celebration of hip hop rap music. Um, not too long ago, but if you looked at the presentation, you would think Chicago never existed because they didn't mention us, didn't play a song, didn't show an artist. I thought Common was going to come out there and do his Microsoft stand-up. It it, it, it did not happen. So the Hyde Park Summerfest is doing their own Chicago Hip Hop 50 with people like Vic Mensa, Twista, Shauna, Crucial Conflict, uh, and they're just going to pay tribute to these amazing legends that have come through Chicago. I mean, when you just think through the list of, of people, whether it's Debrat. Right. Whether it's Lupe, whether it's, you know, we got to put you in there. We, we do if we talk in history uh, all the way up to the people who are like charting now who have influenced music like people don't give Keith enough respect for what he has done to modern hip hop music. Right. Watching Dirk become a superstar. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's beautiful to see Um and so I'm excited for Hyde Park Summerfest. Uh, we will drop links for tickets in the show notes. My some good news. This week is very, very, very close to my heart. For longtime listeners, they may know I've told the story of Rich City Skate, which was a skating rink in the south suburbs for 10 years in the mid-2000s that was owned by my, uh, my step-grandparents, my mom. Uh, and it was my basically my high school job. I spent my entire time there. Uh, And it closed about seven or eight years ago. This weekend at Glenwood Roller Skating Rink, Saturday night, is a rich boy reunion. Our sort of in-house skating team was known as the Ridge Boys made up of some of the greatest roller skaters in Chicago. Shout out Rashad. Shout out DJ. Shout out Bryce. They they were amazing. And I haven't seen some of these guys in years now. And so we're doing a reunion at Glenwood. Natalie Meyer, either of y'all roller skaters?
1: I skate a little bit. My My mom and... Uh, like my 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 mom and her siblings grew up skating and like I grew up I grew up at the rink I don't tell people but I'm actually like I was born on the (laughs) south side and i spent a lot of my time (laughs) at the rink
0: shout out to Natalie Frazier and Maya McDonald for being not only two of the best freelance journalists in Chicago but for making time for the best podcast in Chicago thank y'all so much
1: thank you thank you for inviting me thanks for having me
0: before I let you go, I got to give a huge thank you to the people who make City Cash Chicago. That's lead producer, Simone Alisea, our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, our producers this week, AK Al Moomin, Elizabeth Kama, and Noah Snyderman. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, All the Kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. Of course, my last thank you is for you. The only way I can have more appreciation for you is if you go to citycast.fm slash survey and take our listener survey to be entered for a chance to win $250. I'm going to be here bright and early on Monday. I'll talk to you then. Peace. And this point, they play that classic Jacoby Cochran transition music. Cool.